This podcast has some adult words and some adult themes. If you're a kid, you might want to go and play now. Okay, here we go. Welcome back to Neurotic Tornado, episode 26. We're in the middle of our being coupled season, where my friend Jackie and I have interviewed four couples about how they keep their relationship going. And we cover a particular topic each episode and play excerpts that relate to that topic. You want to go back to the beginning of this series, go to episode 24. In this episode, we analyze how our couples deal with communication and conflict. To see links to things we discuss in this episode, check out our show notes at neurotictornado.com slash 26. Hey Jackie, welcome back to the attic. It looks like you're here for another round. Yeah, thanks, Yuvie. I'm glad to be back. Hey, um, I think you read that article in The Atlantic that my friend Mark sent me. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a really great article about a study that looks at the traits of successful couples, and they identified these two basic traits. Yeah, kindness and generosity. It was done by John and Julie Gutman, and my wife, Sherry, she introduced me to them, and we kind of, our repair attempt episode... We kind of use the ideas from Gottman. And so uh, this one, they talked about kindness and generosity. Yeah, those those traits. And I was really tickled when I read it because I thought about the feline couple. Remember what they said in the last episode, um, what yeah. Sarah said? That seems like a kind of motto around here is is like kindness to all. And, and, and to connect that to this uh, communication conflict episode, uh, in this article, I think Julie Gottman explain that kindness doesn't mean that couples don't express anger, but that the kindness informs how they choose to express their anger. So uh, she said, you can throw spears at your partner, or you can explain why you're hurt and angry. And the kinder path is to explain why you're hurt and angry. And so we're going to look at the couples we interviewed and see how they deal with conflict and frustrating moments in the relationship. Yeah, but before we get to that, you know, you and I, I think we have something in common uh, that relates to today's episode. Oh, yeah, I bet I know what it is. It's our beautiful hair. Well, there is that, but um, <laughs> we're also not avoiders. You aren't an avoider, an avoider. I, well, you mean like when I don't avoid washing my hair at night, <laughs> that kind of thing? I'm um, thinking more about how we deal with conflict. <laughs> Oh, God, this script is terrible. Uh, you, you mean like hair conflict? <laughs> okay, I want you to notice that I'm not the one avoiding here. Uh, so I'm trying to keep us on task. And I'm thinking more about relationship conflict. And I know that just in talking with you about your relationship with Sherry, it seems like you and I both have difficulty with, feel really uncomfortable with tension or distance in our relationships, um, particularly when there's been a disagreement. Yeah, I, I know some couples talk about where the other person chose a really bad time to bring up something, and I'm terrible about that. Like, no, I don't care what time of day, what event has just taken place. If there's an issue, I, I can't help but just spill it and discuss it right away to sometimes my wife's dismay. Yeah, 
Yeah, same here. I want to, I, you know, if, 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 if Bill's feeling distant, you know, I want to deal with it right now and I want to make it better. And he's someone who just really needs time to, you know, particularly with a big conflict, he needs to go away and he needs to sort on that. And um, I have have a hard time dealing with the tension of that. You know, I, I think that, that kind of there's this name uh, or labels that people, you know, I don't like always the labels that people put on different personality styles, but in relationship, there's this sort of the avoiders, which would maybe be people who tend to not be comfortable with conflict. Um, but for us, what what would you call our style? Uh, well, instead of avoiders, I guess we could be the people that like to jam a bunch of rusty needles into the toes of our partners. Uh, maybe, I don't know if there's an acronym for that. Nice, real uh, nice. I'm not that bad, you see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I am getting better. But what what should we call ourselves? Well, let's right. say they're the avoiders and we're the explorers. <laughs> that's a really nice glamorous. <laughs> Maybe thing. that's too glamorous. Okay, so I don't like the labels much because we're all so much more fluid than that. But for the sake of what we're doing here, let's use um, maybe avoiders and prodders. Um, that we're the prodders who are kind of keep poking or pushing at things. And so the couples yeah. that we had kind of have a mix of that. Yeah, and and we'll see like the different styles and how they play out. Okay, let's start with the hedgehog couple, Steve and Holly. And as you'll remember, they were one of the more intentional couples. But that isn't to say that they uh, aren't without their problems and differences. So I asked them... So what do you credit for like the ability to stay together? Like Laziness. Lazy. Just that's, not wanting to get back out there. Yeah, that's, that's actually a, a damn good reason. Yeah. Uh, but it was actually more than just that. You know, obviously, it has to be partly communication, right? And being able to talk things through. But that's, you know, that's where I think all relationships end up working or not working, is being able to do that. So in terms of talking things through, I mean, how how do you do that? That's hard to do. We have very different styles about how we communicate and work things through. And we've realized that. And I don't know how early we realized that, but... Probably pretty early, but it still took us a while to figure out what that meant, even though we knew it. Yeah, it doesn't mean we still get through it all easily. No, <laughs> definitely not. So I'm an out loud processor, and I want to talk about it, talk about it, and come to a resolution, and then I'm done, and I want to move on. Um, and I just I want to think about it and think about it, figure it out, and then come back with you know a solution or whatever it is. And so, you know, it's that right there where you're just one person needs to immediately talk about it. The other person wants to go away and think about it. And how do you make that work? You know, it's a challenge. Mm -hmm. Continues to be. Mm -hmm. It does. (laughs) But so now have you all evolved as far as like, have you felt like you're more similar over time or it's just? No, I don't think so. (laughs) I think we've gotten stronger in how we process, but we acknowledge that the other needs to do their thing. Yeah, I think when it's working well is when one of us just says, okay, I know, like, I know Holly needs to just talk about this right now. I got to sit through it. <laughs> Suck it up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and other times, you know, you'll know I need to process it and think about it, and you'll just, you'll let it go and bring it up again later. And make a lot of noise in the process. Yeah, that <laughs> happens. Out like nice. slamming cupboards. Yeah, and, uh-huh. oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Love nice. pots of pounds. Nice. Pounds, yeah. 
so now we're seeing the first example of Holly being a prodder more than Steve. And we're also seeing a hint of how they attempt to repair things. Yeah, and that quality in Holly really served them early on in their marriage, um, which is why I think that maybe Steve even trusts her over the long term with that prodding style. Um, because around the, the um, time their first son was a year old, Steve went through a difficult time. When I had that crappy job back yeah. in uh, first real that? job ninety nine probably yeah and it was just it was a supervisor who wanted me to solve all these problems in a certain way and it was so against my personality and I just sunk into a depression and it was terrible and uh, and you just kind of were an anchor through that. And we weathered it. We mm-hmm. got through it. Yep. You know, it's funny because when I'm down about something in my life, like my job or my writing or step parenting issues or my failure to fold my clothes properly or anything else, I begin to question everything and my marriage gets shaky too. I have to very carefully walk backwards from that and think rationally about everything else. But with them, this difficult time only strengthened the two of them. It was a lot of talking, which being an out loud processor, that worked really well. And so it was keeping him engaged because he'll withdraw in situations like that. So it's poking at him enough until he responds. Well, I don't think it was your choice, though. I mean, it was, we wouldn't let, we didn't let him become untethered and didn't let him disconnect fully because he responded positively when he was connected and so could see that that was helping. Yeah, I was, I was really impressed with Holly having that real clear perspective, um, Of course, that doesn't mean they don't have conflict, right? Yeah, they definitely did and do. But when we asked for specific examples of conflict, they both did have a tough time coming up with any particulars. Yeah, I was trying to remember. See, I'm good at kind of leaving that stuff behind so I don't think about it. Yeah, I really am drawing a blank. (laughs) That's not too personal, but I can't remember. (laughs) Yeah, you know... I can't think of anything specific. What was it? I don't remember what it was. I'm sure. Something that had us both really mad. Was it when I emailed (laughs) y'all? It might have been about this. (laughs) But as dedicated prodders, we did keep poking at them, and they did eventually remember what one fight was about. Oh, it was a computer. Now, yes, right. <laughs> oh my god! No, he didn't buy. A, he didn't buy a computer. But he was like, "There's a new computer coming out," and I thought I'd just get it. And you know, and I was like, "So who's going to pay for it?" Because you know, expensive computer. And he's like, "Oh, it's not my problem." <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, that was a winning line." <laughs> it was. Let me yeah. let me write that down. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Even though they couldn't remember any more specifics beyond the computer incident, they did remember how they each carry themselves 
during a conflict. He doesn't want to talk about this, but I need to talk about it, and he's just going to have to listen for a little bit. It's <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. Because I'm thinking, Steve. oh, God, she's going to talk about this exactly. right now. And I can see it on his face. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, suck it up, Steve. Here it goes. I usually have stewed about it, and I've stewed about whether it's worth the the consequences of talking about it because there are consequences if I talk about it right when I feel the need to. So often, so I've learned to wait as long as I can. And then, but sometimes I just, I can't. And what are the consequences? He's unhappy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And he is less likely to listen willingly. (laughs) What was the thing we were dealing with last week? Was it last week or the week before? Because you had the full on body language going. (laughs) Which yeah. I almost called you on. She I don't remember what it was. <laughs> and his legs, and he was leaning back. <laughs> if we're in both in good spaces, we don't go into this cycle. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if we're not, if somebody's off for whatever reason, you know, whether it's things going on with their parents or with the kids or whatever, then that's when we get stuck in this pattern. And that's so I guess it's the frustration that we're stuck in that mm-hmm. and that we can't work it out. Yeah. Yeah. And even in the moment that, we know how we communicate and we know what the barriers are to that, right? And we still can't get over that after all these years, uh, which isn't, you know, that doesn't happen most of the time, right? It's no. just that when it does, it's so frustrating. But really, UV, don't you think that's the case with most couples? I mean, we can get distracted by the content, arguing about money or sex or who does what or jealousy, whatever it is. Um, but the underlying issue is often how we engage in these discussions, and do you see me? Can you accept who I am, um, even though I'm someone who really needs to talk about it, or you're someone who really needs to go away? Can you accept that and find within that the way to work through it? Yes, yeah, and and I, I found it really refreshing that they just admitted, no matter how wise and experienced you are, it is very difficult to see the other person during these tough moments. Mm-hmm. And it's frustrating that you can't, like, pick this up yeah. it perfectly. Yeah. I used to just feel like Bill was punishing me when he went away. Like, he's doing this to be mean to me because I said something sharp or harsh, and he's withholding with his distance. And what I realized that it wasn't that, that he simply didn't have the same chip I had to, to, to speak as rapidly or to think on his feet, and that he was overwhelmed by my words. Yeah, and, and I I often thought that for Sherry that it just meant she didn't care about me. Mm-hmm. That if she can't hash it out right this second when we're both exhausted and underslept <laughs> and have a big day tomorrow, it means she doesn't care about me. Yeah. And that took me a while to get over that, yeah. approximately 10 and a half years. And so what a lot of couples do is they learn tactics, ways to hopefully good, effective tactics like, okay, we know this about ourselves. How do we deal with this? So we we have been asking the couples this as well. What tactics do they use? It feels like the first time we have a chance to laugh, that really makes a difference, which we laugh a lot. So that's not, doesn't take very long. And honestly, I think sometimes just a little bit of time helps mm-hmm. as well. Being able to step back from whatever the moment was. And uh, take a breath. And usually that's after we've, you know, worked through something still. But, you know, even when you do that, sometimes it still is lingering there.
going back to Gottman, the psychologist we referenced at the beginning of the episode, laughter is a critical type of repair attempt. The basic idea is that the ability for one person to attempt to repair a conflict and for the other person to accept it is a very important part of a healthy couple. And Gottman calls a repair attempt any statement or action, silly or otherwise, that prevents negativity from escalating out of control. So here we see an element that we honestly saw with every couple is that laughter is a part of their relationship. So this is, and this is sort of related to it, but I think it's learning to recognize each other's repair attempts and be willing to respond to those um, even when we're frustrated. And, you know, since this is a a couple series started as a way for you to mark your 10th, uh, or, or excuse wait, me, wait, wait, I'm oh, sorry, 11th <laughs> <laughs> anniversary. Um, I want to just talk a little bit about what a good teacher time is in that sense, that we really do learn about each other if we stay in in contact and engage in these conflicts, that we can learn some things um, that you only, and you get better by staying together and learning about each other. Um, the longer we're together, we see the patterns and, uh, you know, it's interesting, I mean, even with Bill and I, though, we're still, at 28 years, we're still drilling down on how we do this thing. So it's always, well, Bill would say, a rich playing field. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And do you find, I feel like every few years, we enter into a different phase, and it's mm-hmm. not like we're repeating the same exact problems. We grow, but then we hit another level mm-hmm. and new challenges. And so it's never like, oh, we've got this shit figured out. But it's like, oh, we've tackled, you know, we've done the level one, level two conflicts, Mm -hmm. but we still have the level three conflicts. And so it evolves and in a way it gets better, but there's always challenges. Do you see that? Yes. Yeah. I have to say that we have a lot of a lot of the stuff we really I mean, we've just because we've stayed in the fray with each other. There's a lot of things that we just recognize that's him and it's something that's not going to change. And I don't even feel frustrated. It's just sort of this sense of. Well, that generosity and kindness, just like, oh, yeah, that's what he needs right now. Have you seen the silly HBO show called Eastbound and Down? You know, I watched a little bit of it, but I I haven't consistently watched it. I I don't have HBO, but I watched a few bits of it on YouTube. It's about this fallen professional baseball player named Kenny Powers who ends up as a substitute PE teacher and having to live with his brother and his brother's family. Anyway, uh, I promise this is kind of sort of related because he's uh, very emotionally immature, maybe one way to put it. And he gets in this fabulous argument where he's yelling at his brother and his brother's wife and their kid because the kid was playing on his jet ski. But he realizes mid-argument that he's done something really wrong. I think he like nearly calls his sister-in-law a bitch or something terrible. And then... He tries to recover while still yelling. I don't tell you what to do with your money. Don't fucking tell me what to do with mine, okay? And Cassie, do not stare at me with those dead eyes, you jerk bitch. Kenny! Instantly I regret saying that. That was a horrible thing to say. It's just, I'm Teddy Powers! And I'm very upset with how I'm acting right now. I just have a very hard time expressing my emotions, and I can't stop from yelling! So I'm very sorry. I don't mean to offend you, Wayne. You have fucking pissed me off, but I'm just very upset right now. So I'm going to go ahead and go. But I'm not going to stop yelling because then that'll mean I lost the fight. So please leave a key under the mat. I love you all very much. Peace out. I love you and walked away. But I feel that that happens with me and my relationship where, like, while I'm upset, I can be talking to Sherry and say, 
I'm, I'm still going through this childish feeling. There's no reason for it, but I'm very angry at you and you did nothing wrong. That's great. Um, and it helps a lot. Yeah. Like the emotion doesn't disappear, but it, it takes a, a, an intensity and it prevents us from spiraling. That's cool. You know, and so we, yeah. we have more of a chance of being sweet by the end of the night, even if I still had to go through it. Yeah. But, um, I don't know that that's, that's what's happened to me in the, I would say in the, more recent years mm. than in the early years. It, it's like you're no longer believing your own bullshit in a way, your yeah. own your own defenses. I mean, that like I, I know I'm doing this, and I recognize it, and and that seems like a bridge to being at a point where those those feelings you, you can you can not have them, or you can you know, yeah. you know handle them completely different than you are now, but. It's really great to be able yeah. to get – that's a stage I think you have to go through. Like, I get it. I'm yeah. doing this, and I don't know how not to do it. Right. It's like yeah. it's on the, It's in the script. Uh-huh. I have to say it. <laughs> but you realize it, and, and that helped it tremendously. And it made yeah. the conflicts going from a miserable two weeks – to like a miserable few hours mm-hmm. or, or, you know, or dodge it entirely. Mm-hmm. What does I, Sherry do in those moments? When I'm going through yeah, that? Yeah, like or when you say that, like if you say, you know, I know I'm, you know. Well, I mean, one, she's been doing her own growth and mm-hmm. like, so that's helped a lot. Additionally, I think she sees the humanity in what yeah. I'm doing more so. So rather than me just like uh, uh, being upset with her, she sees oh, I'm suffering, and I'm hurt, and I'm doing this because I'm hurt. Mm -hmm. And so she's not as offended by what, you know, the childish things I might be doing or Mm -hmm. saying because she sees the humanity in me at that moment. So I think it helps in both directions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) And that comes back to the whole thing about kindness and generosity, if you can stop. I mean, it's so easy to get into seeing your partner as the enemy in some weird way, how we just take this stance and I need to protect myself. And it's true because we're so close to them and it's about losing ourselves in some ways. So, yeah, you know, if, if you, if you can have those moments where, you know, the veil falls away and you just see this is a human being who's suffering as much as I am. So now, let's move on to the Chihuahua couple, Stephen and Gigi. Now, they've been together for about 11 years, whereas the hedgehog couple that you just heard from have been together a little over 20 years. Yeah, but similarly, they also have one avoider and one prodder, if we're going to put them in categories. But gender-wise, Stephen and Gigi play the opposite roles of the hedgehog couple. Yeah, we do have that sort of reverse thing going. Mm-hmm. He He's the one who wants to talk about the relationship, and I'm the one who's just like... Just go watch a movie or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I'm overly vigilant about everything, but um, so I'm always like, "Are we okay?" You know, there is, there, you know, she'll like some little twitch in her eyes, like, "Is everything all right?" Yeah, you know. <laughs> so now the Chihuahua couple has some interesting stuff regarding gender and sexuality that we'll talk about in the next episode. For now, we're going to focus on how they communicate with each other, especially during the tricky stuff. Let's start with the early days of their relationship, and remember that that first year of them getting to know each other, it happened by email. Yeah, because we met in such a strange way. We we met, you know, our our minds and hearts. If you know, like a, 
you know, woo-woo about it, met before we met, you know. And so so I knew her intelligence and her wit and, and the things she was afraid of and all this great stuff before, you know, we ever met. And, and so adding the visual and the... Uh, Oral uh, is that what you call it for ear- hearing? Um, to it um, freaked me out a little bit, you know. So that w- that was a bump. That was the the darkest part, in some ways, right at the beginning. Um, and then when we started living together, we had some. Um, but I don't. Unless you got something to say, I don't. I don't know that we had, you know, those dark periods. At least not yet. It felt pretty dark to me for a long time, actually. But at the beginning, you mean? At the beginning, yeah. and after mm. the you know hearing each other and seeing each other and all that for the first time was when we were living together. Yeah. And, um, was it dark, like as in y'all had difficult discussions, or were you like, it was it just unspoken? She would have had it be unspoken, but yeah. I kept <laughs> stirring yes. it up. Yes. <laughs> the course of the relationship for me was more about getting that. Each each step was just that one step closer to to being where I am, and with him it was the big oh no oh no every time he had to readjust, but I didn't have to readjust. You know, I think part of my not having to readjust was probably that every time he took a step and freaked out, I reacted to that, and and my focus was on keeping it, holding on to it. I think both of us had periods of, okay, I'm not letting this go. <laughs> While the other person flips out, I'm yeah. going to hold on. Yeah. Because later on, you know, after we were already living together, and um, there were some emotional turmoil. I mean, she was uh, processing, you know, uh, end of a marriage and, you know, a whole new life in a new um, location. And um, I, I, I feel like there were times where it was probably um, – uh, you know, I don't want to deal with this annoying guy, and it's like it's so much work right. and, and painful. I don't want to deal with this, and I'm like, okay, let's let's keep talking about this. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, don't go anywhere, yeah. don't go anywhere. You know, yeah, um, so all, yeah, it was a back and forth. We used to yeah. we just talk about the the, you know, the little things that kind of that you don't talk about. It kind of build up and build up, and then it's like. You know, ten years later, it's like fuck you. I went out of this. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like no, I'm not going down that road. So I'm going to like talk about it mm-hmm. now. When I was so, coming you know, out of, I was sorry, I to interrupt you. Um, I was coming out of 15 year, you know, relationship with a man I never really loved, and he knew that basically I held those feelings inside for 15 years and never did anything about it. So, okay. so yeah. how scary is that for him to have to, you know, how does he know? <laughs> Whether I'm, I still love him, or whether I'm, I've got, you know, you issues. have a temp, you have a template of something that neither of y'all want to, yeah, yeah, reenact. Yeah. yeah, he knows that that I could hold it inside, and and so he's always prodding to, to, to see if we're okay. So taken into account, Stephen's vigilance and Gigi's ability to hold it inside, but also being very sensitive at the same time. How does a couple like this? deal with this situation there was a period where every saturday morning we were gonna sit on the bed and (laughs) we were gonna 
there was a little bell, some sort of bell sound, and we would talk about our stuff, you know, and that was excruciating for <laughs> yeah, me. We, wow. we, we would, yeah, sound. we would deal with all of our issues like once a week, you know. Oh, we, it seems if, so much yeah. like my relationship. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a therapy session every Saturday yeah. morning or whatever in bed. And it's yeah. Like, so and I it just seemed felt like such like, a good idea at first, but it really oh, was. We totally had the same thing. <laughs> oh, what's well, relationship check in? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you had yeah. a bell. I, not, there, bell? there was a bell there was some sort of bell thing that happened i, I forget whether <laughs> yes i remember a bell remember because because after at a certain point in time we got to the point where we would just go okay ding ding and then we would start talking and then we'd go ding ding remember so as with all the couples it seems like over the years they've learned to uh, understand how they each operate and be sensitive to the other person more effectively so now let's see what they're thinking about looking ahead moving forward it's still my pattern to always monitor what what what's going on with him you know monitor myself as it affects him and i'm always reacting off of him so a lot of our fights or our, our, you know, disagreements, whatever, come when, you know, he like, I'll be, I don't know, doing something annoying, whatever, and he'll make some face. And it'll plunge me into this bad mood, you know, because I'm reacting off of him still in that place where it's, I'm definitely very externally focused while I'm holding all of my stuff inside my secret place, yeah. you know. <laughs> and, that's, and that's one of our biggest issues because, um, you know. I want someone who's going to say, you know, if I'm if I'm acting up or whatever, if I'm being fussy, which I am, um, you know, it's like just shut up. Right. Yeah, right. I'm not than, good like, at that. Rather than like you know trying to modify themselves to me, uh-huh. you yeah. know, I've said all along that you know what works for me is tough love. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like shut up. You know, <laughs> it's like okay, and I and that feels like love to me. Yeah. You know, because someone gets me enough to say. Not putting up with that. We're constantly negotiating the differences in the way we process things yeah. because she didn't like tough love. You know, she doesn't. No, I don't want to be tough love. that at all. <laughs> you know, yeah. so that I'll take a sweet love. I'll yeah. take a sweet love, please. Yeah. So I've you know had to find ways to um, to give her what she needs. But you know that that when you're dealing with two people who are very different, you know, in in communication styles, both getting and giving. It takes some work and observation and uh, memorization to do that. And and just, you know, even though we've kind of coined these uh, simpler terms of avoiders and prodders, once again, going back to John Gottman, who seems to be coming up a lot in this episode for good reason because the Gottmans have done some incredible work and they have some really good workshops I think too yeah yeah and in this in this realm they actually defined four different couple types and we've done a far oversimplified version of it but there's the avoidant individual which is very similar to our avoider stuff but there's also a validating individual 
who addresses conflict by emphasizing the importance of making sure each person is understood and their view is appreciated. And then there's a volatile individual who's more passionate and energetic and not afraid of lively debates. And then the, those three are not bad types. They might, you know, some might sound bad, like when you say volatile, that you mm-hmm. might mean it in a negative way in other contexts. Here, they're just different styles, and you yeah. just have to understand that and understand how those people handle conflict. The one that does have a negative connotation in their realm is a hostile type, which is more destructive and contemptuous. And we didn't see any of that mm-hmm. in what we confronted, but our prodder is somewhere between a validating and volatile type, mm-hmm. would you say? Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so two avoiders aren't typically uh, going to easily sit down and talk about the relationship. Yeah, they're not the ding-ding type. Mm-mm. So in the previous episode, episode 25, you'll remember that the feline couple, Sarah and Don, prefer not to talk about the hard times. But I try not to think about that too much. You can probably hear Edie in the uh, Crying in the background. Crying in the background. It's not our child. She does not like to think about it. No, she doesn't. That's right. (laughs) Moving on from that, it's hard to talk about. So what exactly happens if both couples are avoiders, Jackie? Well, at one point in their relationship, it had serious consequences. It was never more miserable than those years when we were not together. So that was the most miserable time for me. Me too. This was after they'd been together for 14 years. Which is kind of wild to me because I keep thinking, oh, you know, I, I'm with, I've been with Sherry for 11 years, so we're out of the woods. <laughs> uh, but according to this template, in three years, we could still have a four-year breakup. You, you are not safe. Well, there was some buildup, and I would say it was mostly I instigated it. It's hard to talk about. It is kind of. I mean, I, I, I think I think was, I just wanted us to be more of a couple. I had this idea kind of like Don wasn't really acknowledging out in the world that we were a couple or that was part of it. I mean, there's a lot, there was a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, but I think that that is a big, big part of it that for me yeah. it was. Yeah. Cause, um, cause I think you just didn't want to you used to say, you said something to me about like, look, I'm just not going to be Joe husband. Right. And I wanted to be a, an actor, you know, and, and, so I didn't want to have to think about buying washing machines and things yeah, like that. Yeah. And uh, I do remember saying that to only be Joe Husband. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Which is so funny because I really enjoy that role. Um, <laughs> he does. Now. He does. now you do. Well, and I was, it's so funny because right before that, I was starting to enjoy it. I right. mean, you probably don't remember that, but I was like, oh, this is kind of fun doing these things and making plans and stuff. And then all of a sudden, whoop. You know, and I and I thought, oh, I shouldn't have changed. <laughs> and because of all this uh, avoiding of things, it was difficult for them to talk about it. And anyway, Sarah wanted to develop uh, a, a plan, plan to just try living separately. Yeah, more on more on her part because mm-hmm. I didn't really want to do it. Mm-hmm. While you were separated, were either of you two in other relationships? I was not. No, I was though. But and that's. Ugh. Yuck. And in a perfectly avoidant way that you you and I colluded on, UV, uh, there's uh, no more talk of this other relationship other than... But it was, it was pretty, pretty bad.
So anyway, that relationship ended, and meanwhile, Don and Sarah stayed connected over those years, and eventually they started to find their way back to each other. I know, I just really missed being with Sarah, and you know, the option of being together again was it wasn't a struggle. Well, I know that I completely lost interest in an alternative to being with Don. I just did. I just lost interest in thinking, oh, there's a, you know, somebody else for me. I really something I just thought he is the person for me. I knew that I could be by myself. And so that was good because I had, um, I think I just said this to you not too long ago that I had this really good, it was sometime in 2009 before we like kind of officially, you know, like you came over here and never left kind of thing. But sometime in there when I was just alone, it was just me, the cats and me, and I was doing a play and I just felt really good by myself, like not worried about Dawn or anybody. And then, so then I was like, good. So the option is alone or Dawn. So that's great because I, it seems like I had both options available to me. And did y'all try, like, during those four years, did you kind of talk about it or analyze it or was it? Oh, no. Mm-mm. We, just, we've barely done it yeah, at all. Yeah. That was going to be my actually my yeah. question. This is probably the most we've talked about. about, about it? It? Yeah. Not very much. Yeah. Even though I said when we got to, back together, I said, well, you know, if we get back together and we've got to talk about everything that happened <laughs> during the time we were apart. And we haven't really. But we've done it in our own way and in our own time. So, so this is the thing I'm learning about the avoiders, that they aren't really avoiding at all. They're confronting things internally, and they may be avoiding or trying to manage the external manifestation of the problem um, while they're not really talking about things. But something's happening for both of them under the surface. Oh, and meanwhile, there was this external symbol of their time apart. You know, when we separated i bought this condo i just thought i was stuck with that for the rest of my life we're just gonna have to struggle you know and uh, we're, we're just screwed so ultimately they did confront this issue and they went and got some help and they sorted out how to get rid of the condo how to sell it and they learned a few things about dealing with conflict because if you're avoiding you still you're you're right your breathing changes something you're something's different you're or you're not breathing and so someone will usually go, what's the matter, or something. And, and then three weeks later, no, no. But, In but, an but avoiding you, house. Yeah, yeah. It, it is like pulling teeth sometimes to, to, to you know, do, deal with something that, you know, once it's dealt with, it's like, well, what was, what was the big deal about that? You know what I mean? But, but it, it's just, I don't know, it's certainly the way I'm wired is just um, um, punish yourself to hell. You know, what does it look like? The energy is it like uh, negative, or is it oh, just yeah. about something else? Oh or? no, it's it's negative. It's like uh, no, we're not doing any of that. So could we? No, uh, no, I don't want to do any of that. <laughs> but this is the avoiding thing. Is like uh, another woman, I think, would go. 
what are you crazy? Yeah, we are gonna X, Y, and Z. And I, I go, oh, okay. <laughs> you're yeah, right. Because she's an we're empath. <laughs> I am. I'm an empath. It's like right. you're right. We are we're, screwed. We're screwed. And I, I, sh- I shan't speak of it again. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then months go by. And then months go by. Yeah, and years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I, like, worry, and you worry, and we worry separately, and we don't. I think one thing that we have that I think is so cool about us now is that we're way more of a practical team. Like, right? Well, I yeah, mean, well, because all this stuff definitely affected before you know this is one example but that that you know obviously right that dynamic that dynamic was you know featured and now it's kind of you know funny stories but (laughs) it's it's uh and and now it's it's kind of worth going through that 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 battle to know oh oh that's right hmm let's work on this right together Okay, so so it seems like they really learned something important about the process, and that helps them intervene on their patterns. And and so would you say, are they less avoidant now, or are they just uh, better avoiders, or what, what, what happened? How does an avoider evolve? I think they're learning how to deal with each other as they are and finding out it's better if they do talk, but honoring their own sensitivities. They've done it in their own way. Well, and speaking of separations, uh, the horse couple, Mary and Dane, also went through a separation, and it also happened many years into their relationship. They'd been together for 20 years when this happened. Damn, so that means I have nine more years. <laughs> You're not out of the woods yet, baby. <laughs> Did I tell you Bill and I are thinking about getting a separation? <laughs> Shit, I can't handle 28. Okay, where are we? Well, we broke up. Uh, we separated. We separated in uh, 2012, and uh, I moved out at that time. It, it just seemed to be um, absolutely overwhelming. Uh, we're triggering each other in in deep ways we cannot keep up with. You know, all the reflectiveness and all the love in the world was not was not saving us. It was only, you know, after many failures of trying to come back together that that I left. Because of my drinking. But it was was more like, I mean, it it wasn't just my drinking that caused it. I was becoming more increasingly unhappy in the relationship, and it was, I just felt like I couldn't get, you know, his attention in any way. Dane had a small group of friends he liked to spend time with, and I think this is there's a parallel here with what happened with Sarah of the feline couple. There was something she wanted and couldn't get in the relationship. Uh, Sarah left. Mary drank. In our relationship that she had a lot of difficulty with, and that was time spent with friends, and it was regular, and she really felt like I wasn't feeding the intimacy of our relationship. And I was just kind of leaving it out to dry and taking it for granted. And it was, you know, there may have been a few things spurring her her drinking, but that was certainly a, a known factor that was contributing to, uh, 
to her distancing from me because she felt like there was a distance in me. Yeah, well, already. there was more to the drinking than just the relationship, but it just seemed, I just was spinning out of control. All I could think about was um, wanting to be unconscious. And I couldn't drink enough to be unconscious as, like I wanted to be. And I felt that way for years, just miserable. Ooh, um, I I was just amazed at how open and clear Mary was about all this stuff. She was really amazingly open. And so, at the beginning of this separation period, Mary continued to drink, and Dane moved out. But they still kept in touch with each other. As Mary kind of had to walk through this path herself. Yeah, I was really not. I was thinking to myself, do I? I mean, I was just really. I was like in my on the couch thinking, you know, I either have to make a choice here and trust that everybody knows better than I do right now because the only thing I want to do is just go away, not live. And um, so I thought I'd do therapy and I'd just make a commitment to just be 100% honest and not drink. And just. And as soon as I made that commitment, even though I'd heard those things a million times from people and I'd think, make a commitment. Because in the back of my mind, I always thought I'll drink. Someday. If I can't do it now, I'll do it someday. And when I made that choice, it was just like, I'm just, and I've never, I don't care anymore. I don't care about alcohol. And so now she's been sober for two years, and that changed everything. Uh, The drinking was no longer a distraction, no longer a problem. And uh, now she's come to understand a few things. All of a sudden, she's always needed Dane to fill whatever, you know, thing I believed he needed to fill and fix and all that stuff. So then I went through this period of not needing him when I got really self-reliant, feeling more confident. Um, and so then I started feeling like, do I love him? Because I remember having tremendous love for him. But then all of a sudden having this feeling that was so overwhelming of this neediness, it was really shocking to realize, oh my God, here I People must go around thinking they're in love all the time when it's just feeling like they need somebody. You know, just that need is so strong, right? You know, the craving. Yeah, I have to have that person in my life. That can look like love. It, It just, it's almost like I forgot what it was like to be in love. And so I did go through this phase of like, well, now I need to really re examine all of this and figure that out. And it's been a process and it's, it's always I always feel like I'm coming I always come back to Dane you know it's an interesting thing with drinking I think that um, the the alcohol can be the identified problem or the alcoholic you know that that's the problem and then when that goes away I think couples really have to confront some significant things about you know who are we without that as a as the focus or the distraction. Yeah, it sounded almost like they had to pick up exactly where they left off before all this happened. Yeah. And so after Mary was sober, they were able to work through the, their issues. And so I was curious what tools were useful to them as they worked through their stuff. Dane, you have something to say about that? I do, I do. Tools assist us, but it's when we're in the throes of of our unconscious turmoil 
and um, we're stuck in a place where, you know, I feel hurt or the tools are are not always going to succeed. You have to be in the right place for tools to work well. So You have to want to use them. Yeah, Most I mean, of the time yeah. it's just like, fuck you. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're being an away. asshole, uh, you know. You don't deserve my tools, thank you, you know. Uh, <laughs> Taking my tools and going home. Yeah. <laughs> as far as uh, tools are concerned, I will say that I have – Probably the one I have the most faith in to this day is where uh, you're at an impasse, you're not getting along, and one partner asks of the other, can you paraphrase what I'm trying to say, what I'm telling you? Uh, It was suggested that we try and paraphrase for one another rather than speaking around and over the head and by each other, and to this day, that's the one tool that, that I have more faith in than any other that I know of, it's easy to underestimate uh, the degree to which we're paraphrasing correctly for our partner. We think we're doing it, and we're, you know, we don't get it. And sometimes it's a nuance. It's an emphasis, you know. And um, if someone's not emphasizing a true statement in the right way, it's like, you're not you're not getting it, you know? And that's just because we bring so much to the table, passion and, and historical you know, baggage and whatnot. And um, yeah. so, yeah, I still have hopes for that tool. Yuvi, do you want to practice a little paraphrasing? How are you feeling right now? Um, slightly nervous, and I think I've eaten too many cashews. So you're slightly nervous, and you've eaten too many cashews. Um, no, that's not accurate. <laughs> <laughs> what I the fuck is it you're trying to tell me? <laughs> I, I actually did that, would do that with Sherry sometimes when I would get too annoyed with our like overly therapeutic techniques. I'd be like, stop fucking paraphrasing me. Misunderstand it a little bit. Uh, yeah, sorry. And I think what we've come to also is that we're like, we know this is going to be awkward, but we're going to do it. And we do, you know, we repeat like what the other person's feeling. We don't quite do exactly paraphrasing, but something similar. And it's weird and awkward, and we just kind of giggle about it. Yeah. But in the middle of it, we see each other better. We yeah. realize, like, oh, that really hurt you yeah. when I said that joke mm-hmm. offhand and then walked away. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it works even if it, it doesn't feel natural. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I mean, I think because I can be a real a talker, and for me what it does is it helps me slow down. I think it helps the uh, also, the the person who isn't the talker mm-hmm. uh, gets time because it, the talker can kind of steamroll over yes. the other person. Mm-hmm. And um, I know that happens with me where it gives the other person time to be heard. Yeah, yeah. Is that true? Or did I step all over you? No, you were <laughs> not talker. paraphrasing me. <laughs> no. no, no, I really, I think that it's it really is about just slowing down and being present and um, I would just make so many assumptions in our heads about what we think we're hearing. And that simple paraphrasing forces us not to do that. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. So, you know, actually the horse couple didn't talk specifically about avoiding or prodding, but you might think of the, the drinking and spending time away as a form of avoiding. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but the, but they did do psychodrama from the very beginning, if you'll remember in the last episode. And there's this thing with Dane that he doesn't always feel the need to talk directly about a problem. 
Um, I do have a faith that there there are processes going on that don't need to be um, handled or or um, altered. It, it's like there is something. It's 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 already in transition, and sometimes it just doesn't need my intervention. You know. This was kind of uh, refreshing for me to hear that, you know, sometimes you can make a problem worse by talking about it. And it's something I had to learn like, oh, yeah, there's not only is it diminishing returns, but it's increasing pain mm-hmm. <laughs> at some yeah. point. It's like, OK, yeah. we walk we we don't need to d- dwell on this. And, you know, we learned maybe a little bit about this from the avoidant feline couple yeah. that, you know, you don't have to analyze to death everything. Yeah. yeah. I think it's like some kinds of wounds, you know, there's the, the you know, the external healing, but, but a lot of healing has to happen underneath the surface, and there's just so much that goes on under there. So I kind of like to think of it as subcutaneous healing. That did, So did you, did you come up with that? Because you should yeah, patent trademark that. Trademark, <laughs> Jackie Shannon Wallace. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like, I like the idea that stuff's going on under the surface, and for me, it's really learning to trust that, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Learning to trust it. That's a hard, that was a hard one for mm-hmm. me. Well, and another interesting thing is they still live apart. So now, you know, they've been, they haven't lived together for four years, but they are clearly together. Like it's mm-hmm. sure, I sure had a feeling that they are in this thing together. And the fact that they don't live in the same place right now doesn't affect that at all. And that mm-hmm. was kind of fabulous to see that mm-hmm. maybe in the early phase, it, there was a kind of separation, but uh, they were a very sweet and loving couple. From, yeah, very committed, I think. To and I know them very through. well because I was in their house for ninety-seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so, and yeah, they are actually now making some plans to live together again, and sort of trying to find their way through that, figuring out what's the best thing. Yeah. So, Yuvi, here we are at the end of another episode. And we both survived, and our four couples survived, and hopefully at least a portion of our small audience survived. I think it's really cool that we got to speak with some couples with some very different communication styles, some direct, some avoidant, some a combination. And all of them seem to be evolving in different ways. But, and I also think it's really important that we tend to label either of these in a, you know, avoidant or... You know, prodding or whatever, you know, it's, that, that, that we're not thinking of these as negative things. They're just styles and that they're, they're fluid. Um, we might be able to come up with kinder labels, but whether we avoid or prod, the intention of either person is usually positive. Most of the time it comes from the need to feel safe, and we also want to know that the relationship is safe. We just have different ways of doing this. Yeah, and when we started this thing, I, I actually originally thought that like avoiding was bad and so mm, just yeah. the ter- the term is often used negatively in other the other ways we speak but uh, this really helped me see the, the positive mm-hmm. aspects and we do encourage uh, the both the both of y'all listening to this podcast to check out some of the links in our show notes neurotictornado.com/26 because we will have some cool links about the different types of relationships and how they communicate. And one other thing, um, you know, I tried with Bill. I didn't, I mean, it just sort of happened, I, but it's after doing, talking with these couples. Mm-hmm. There was an issue that happened, and just some little thing, and I was kind of irritated. And I just thought, 
I don't need to talk about that. It's, you know, it'll sort itself out. And about an hour later, Bill just, and I wasn't distant or upset or anything. I just thought, oh, it's, you know, yeah, that happened. And Bill came to me and said, hey, I was thinking about what I said earlier, and um, how are you feeling about that? So I think when we as prodders step back, our partners come forward. That's an interesting thing, because not only is it just that we have different types, but we respond in different ways yeah. and yeah. Hmm. make room. Uh-huh. So, so, so I think it would be interesting for the people listening to, to try different, you know, just alter their style a little bit and see what happens and maybe let us know what happens. Yeah. We'll- or let us know um, how repair attempts go for you or, you know, how would you like us to attempt to repair this podcast? Wait, or maybe you could work. paraphrase this podcast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some good money in paraphrasing podcasts. Um, and and hmm. and where do people go to? We don't know yet, do we? Oh wait, we we do actually know here in post production. Facebook dot com slash neurotic tornado. That's where you can talk about anything you want related to this thing. You want to tell us about how your fights go, what type you are. Talk to us. And if you hate Facebook, you can go to neurotictornado.com slash talk, and there's a form you can fill out if you just want to privately tell us how messed up your relationship is, or good. Or if you want to, uh, I believe the term is Twitter us, you can do it from a link there. Have I given out too many links? I think that's my problem. I should stop doing that. Oh, boy. Oh, wait. forgot to get my wife on here. I'll be right back. So we did our communication and conflict episode. Yeah. You haven't heard that one. You heard the the previous one. But here is something that I thought was interesting. So all of them, you know, they they were between 11 and 25, 27 years. That they've been together. Yeah. Yeah. And they all had some variation of saying, you know, they understand each other better. So they've learned that one person does like to talk about this stuff going on or one person doesn't like to talk about it or they both don't. Everyone kind of learned a little bit. So, of course, I guess I I didn't expect there to be a magic bullet like, oh, we figured it out and we're done. We we figured it all out. Are you breaking up with me? No. Okay. (laughs) Wow. On the mic breakup. That... I don't think I would get many other dates after that. <laughs> Here's what I want to say. A few of them went through a really dark period. And you might be surprised to hear, I was very excited to hear <laughs> that other people went through a dark period. And in those dark periods, you know, like one of them kind of got fully, fully comfortable being alone, not needing anyone. I mean, they both were, but I'm saying one person really spoke about not like not needing anyone that they could see how they could be alone. And then they come back to the other person and they come back from a different perspective. Hmm. I do think, you know, it, it took that for me. Like, I don't think you were dependent on me for wholeness. Uh, you'd already, you'd been burned by what any, any amount of that that you had from before, you I've know. been burned by wholeness in the past. Yeah. And I needed to crumble in order to, you know, rebuild myself. And during the dark period, there was a period where I was like, I'd rather be out of this relationship than in it. Yeah. But then when I came back in it with my heart, it wasn't I need to be in it, but it was, you know, now I'd li- I like to be in it. Mm-hmm. I want to be in it. So I don't know. I guess that all that say is like I still feel like, you know, every relationship is always in danger. So you always need to kind of 
you can't ignore the relationship. Yeah. But going through a dark period can help at least a person rebuild themselves. I mean, do you buy that? Or what What do you think it is that helps a couple work? I don't well, know I don't know. Point. I mean, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting thing that those couples both chose to completely take time away from the relationship and be apart. And maybe that's what it took to really stand alone. I'm curious whether, you know, you described it for us that you needed to crumple and rebuild, but that I didn't need that process in the same way. But I wonder if that's true for the other couples or if it's just that one person, they needed it, I don't know, and the other person would benefit from it too, but they didn't. Yeah. Of course, I failed to ask them the exact right kinds of questions to dig in there. Yeah. But my feeling with these periods apart you know, with us, we weren't apart, but I'm kind of comparing. One person had to do like a real like disassemble and rebuild. And the other person didn't go through as drastic a change. But I think both people learned something and came at it differently. Yeah. It just one had a more obvious disassemble, reassemble. Yeah, it's an intriguing idea that, Yeah. you know, and that even I think on a smaller level, that can play out, you know, in a relationship, in a long relationship. It feels like there are ebbs and flows, you know, times when you're more connected and times when you're not as connected. But maybe, forgive this overly positive point of view, but maybe during those moments when you're not completely connected, you're doing something for yourself or, you know, you're kind of minding, you know, I'm sorry to use the phrase, you're minding your own store or whatever, but you're taking care of yourself even if you didn't have to fully split up to do it, you still might need some time to, you know, sometimes it helps to have some time to be in your own head or in your own heart and paying attention to what it is that's going on with you or what you need. Separate from the other, like away from the other person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could be that there's a, that there are couples out there or even polyamorous couples who, or groups who... I think they uh, for polyamorous groups. I think they call them posses. <laughs> nice. Who a murder of posse nice. of polyamorous? Wow. A gaggle of murders who process together, right? Or who emote together or something? But fuck that shit. Yeah, yeah. I imagine that there are a lot of people who kind of need to stew on what's going on with them. For us, even though you describe yourself as being gone for a while, you know you weren't formally gone or. I was still causing arguments every few hours. <laughs> uh, you were still, there was still a dark cloud <laughs> um, following you from room to room. Uh, and, you know, now that I think about it, the two couples who were apart, uh, one of them, it seemed like, did more overt processing out loud than the other. Hmm. So, you know, it's like it's not, it's not even that you have to do any of this out loud processing, but, you know, there's that something's go, going through your system. Yeah. Yeah, which I, I guess makes sense. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just wanted to yeah, tell you about that. And you, it's not because you're wanting to move into another house, or no, no. I don't even have that elaborate an agenda, really. I most the main thing I'm worried about is your sweet potato in the oven. <laughs> that sounds kind of dirty, but <laughs> it's a euphemism for um, the fact that you're you have a uh, actual sweet potato in <laughs> the oven. Right. I mean, I may whack off in the shower, but that's unrelated to the sweet potato. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am baking something currently. You're not pregnant, are you? <laughs> no, I don't this have. This is a... getting really scary. <laughs> I'm sweating. 
Okay, well, that's it. I just somehow, I was trying to make sense of dark period, rebuilding, breakups, no relationship is safe, and just trying to kind of piece that together all in my head. Neither too optimistic or too pessimistic. Yeah. I guess in an ideal place, you know, you could, one could ask, just say to the other person, I'm just going through a lot right now, and, you know, if I'm feeling kind of distant... It's not about you, baby. It's me. You know. I won't accept that excuse yeah. from you, though. Right. Over yet.